Um, we want to uh, jump into our uh, our bigger kid reflection time. And as I mentioned earlier, this is an invitation to be impolite. Anybody come to mind uh, when you think about somebody that uh, really kind of seems to enjoy being impolite? Uh-huh. I mostly think about my boys around the dinner table. <laughs> we keep trying to train them and say, hey, this is what it looks like to be polite, right? So when you go on a date, like, they'll you'll make a good impression, right? And, and so far, that teaching hasn't sunk in uh, to their hearts and to their minds. But uh, this is an invitation today to be impolite, uh, really. And, and what we mean by that is this is an invitation to stare. Uh, it's it's uh, culturally inappropriate, I think, right, to stare at somebody. I mean, anytime that my uh, my boys are staring at somebody, I'm always saying, hey, stop staring. <laughs> um, when I was growing up, uh, my family used to say it in a in a nicer way. They would say this. They would say, take a picture. It'll last longer. Have you ever heard that? Right? Uh, so when I was growing up, they would always say that. That was their way of saying, hey, stop staring. But it was just like a nicer way of saying it. Take a picture. It'll last longer. Um, there's, uh, th there's really three things in this story today, Acts chapter 3, um, where, where we are encouraged to be impolite, uh, to be kind of culturally inappropriate, to stare. And, and, and so we want to dive right into the first one. The first one is actually an invitation to stare at me. We've got to see this. Um, Peter and John walk up to this man and they say, stare at me. Look at me. See me. This is a super interesting moment. Just to kind of lay the story out once, one more time. There's a man that's been lame since birth, can't use his legs, and, and every day he's carried to the temple, uh, probably by family members. He probably doesn't have too many friends. And so this is probably family members that are picking him up, maybe extended family members, picking him up and, and carrying him to the temple so that he can beg for money. Uh, this man probably doesn't make eye contact he doesn't make eye contact with people because there's a certain level of, of, of shame or a certain level of humbleness that he's trying to demonstrate. And so he's asking for money but not making eye contact. And, and, uh, and what he thinks he needs is money. And so he's there asking for money. Peter and John walk up to him and they say, stare at me. Look at me. See me? And the man lifts his eyes to look at Peter and John. Now, uh, just think about this. Why do Peter and John uh, say, stare at me? The reason is because they know what this man needs, and they know who they carry and represent. They know that this man needs Jesus, right? He doesn't need money. He doesn't really even need healing. What he needs is a Jesus who is powerful over all things, a Jesus who sits at the right hand of God and, and has ascended into heaven. And that's the situation, right? The, the problem is that uh, he needs Jesus who can bring healing, but Jesus has already risen from the dead. He's already ascended into heaven, which means he's not physically present here on earth. And so Peter and John know what this man needs, but they also know who they represent. They know who they carry along with them. They know that as they walk through life, they are the presence of Jesus in this world. Uh, they carry the power of Jesus in them. Uh, they know that everywhere they go, they can do the work and the ministry that Jesus himself did. And so they say, stare at me. Stare at me because of who I carry, uh, because of who I represent. Uh, stare at me because of, of, of what I carry. And so my question to you is, 
When was the last time you asked somebody to stare at you? Uh, I'm guessing some of you are, uh, in fact, probably pushing against that. No, no, I don't want people to stare at me. <laughs> uh, that's kind of the, the good, uh, you know, churchy answer. I don't want people to stare at me. But there's actually some good uh, New Testament precedents for this. Uh, the Apostle Paul later on is going to say, imitate me, imitate me, imitate me. He's asking people to look at him, to stare at him uh, because of who he represents. Right? He represents the kingdom of God in this world. He carries Jesus. He is demonstrating what Jesus can do in, 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 to people that have maybe never met Jesus before. And so the first thing that Peter and John say is they say, stare at me. And, and, and we should hear that as a challenge for us to be saying, hey, stare at me. Because look, you represent the kingdom of God. You carry Jesus with you. You are the presence of Jesus as you walk through this life. And so we can be a people that kind of confidently say, hey, stare at me because of who I carry and, and what I carry with me. All right, so was that uncomfortable? It's uncomfortable to have people stare at you? <sighs> Take a deep breath. We're going to move to a more comfortable place here for just a couple of minutes, and then we'll get uncomfortable again at the end. Um, uh, we, we've just got to see this, right? Uh, Peter and John don't leave the people staring at them. Uh, everybody is uh, uh, you know, firmly fixed, just like they said, staring at them. The man is staring at Peter and John. The crowd is staring at Peter and John, and as soon as the people begin to stare at Peter and John, they, they just as quickly flip the script and say, no, no, stop staring at us and start staring at him, right? Stop staring at us and start staring at Jesus. And that's probably more comfortable language for us, but what we want to see is that, is that uh, they, they give four reasons for why Jesus should be stared at. Now, let's just see it in the text first. Um, Acts chapter 3, verse 12. When Peter saw it, that everybody was staring at him, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? And why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety, we have made him walk? And then verse 16, and his name, the name of Jesus, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And so uh, they very quickly deflect the attention, deflect the staring and say, stop staring at us, start staring at him. Here's four reasons why. First reason, Jesus is the glorified servant. That's in verse 13. Jesus is the glorified servant. Now, just see the, the kind of tension between those two words. Um, if we just kind of look at simple definition, uh, we'll be moved to stare at Jesus. Um, Jesus is a servant. That means he's in the lowly, lowliest, um, uh, uh, you know, kind of humble position. It also means that he desires or that he can, that he wants to help us, right? That's what a servant does. A servant is a helper. Jesus is a servant, but he's also glorified. And so we have to see, right, to be glorified means that you've been made famous, uh, that your name is well-known or, or well-spoken of. Uh, it means that you're put on a pedestal as, you know, number one. There's nothing and no one better than you. And, and so um, typically, I think what we tend to do in life is we look at people that will help us, or we look at people that uh, have a lot of power and a lot of influence, and we hope that they'll pay attention to us and help us. 
But, but Jesus is both of those at the same time. He's the glorified servant. He's the servant that is super powerful and no one and nothing is bigger. No one and nothing is better. And he wants to help you. And so Peter and John say, hey, stop staring at us and stare at the glorified servant. And that's a word for us too. We want to keep our eyes on the glorified servant, on Jesus. Uh, Jesus is also the holy and righteous one. Um, it's pretty interesting, right, to just see he's the holy and righteous one. They don't say, hey, Jesus is holy and righteous. That would be different, right? They say Jesus is the holy, righteous one. Um, to be holy means to be set apart, to uh, distinct, different than everything else in this world. Um, to be righteous means that you're um, in right standing with God uh, or, or just in right standing because you do rightly. <laughs> it means that you're always on the right path and, and walking in just the right way. Um, it, it seems to me that, um, that, that we often look at things that are almost the exact opposite of holy and righteous. And, and, and maybe on our best days, we, we look at things that, um, that, that are mostly right or mostly good, but not all the way. And so this is a call to the people in Acts chapter 3, but also to us to stand and stare at the holy and righteous one. Uh, to stare at the one uh, that is right in his very existence, in his very being stare at the holy and righteous one. Jesus is also the author of life. That's kind of an interesting word, author. Um, I, I did a little bit of research into it and I tried to drill down and figure out what it means. And uh, the reality is it's kind of a complex word. In, in different places, it, it means like leader. So leader of life. Uh, it, it means creator, creator of life. It even means like captain, captain of life. So um, after I kind of did all that work, I thought, well, author is probably just a good word for it, right? Author of life. Um, if you think about what an author does, right? He starts writing a book and he is in control of where that book goes, right? He starts writing a story and he's in control of where that story goes. And so Jesus is the author of life. He's the one that is in control of the story. He starts the story and he's in control of where that story goes. Um, and and so, so this is a call for us to stare at the God who's writing the story, at the God who's writing my story and your story and our story, right? Why would we want to look anywhere else if we can look at, if we can stare at the author of life, uh, the one who started the story and the one who's in control of where that story is going? Uh, Peter and John say, hey, stare at Jesus because he's the glorified servant, because he's the holy and righteous one, because he's the author of life. And then here we go, because Jesus raised, was raised from death. And so we can say again, Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Right? It needs no definition. It needs no explanation. Um, are we going to stare at, at worldly things that pass away? Are we going to stare at worldly things that, that wither and die? Or are we going to stare at Jesus, who conquered death, who defeated the grave, who, who, who won the greatest victory over Satan and all of his workers? And Peter and John invite the crowd and invite you and me to stare at the resurrected Savior. 
Okay, so, um, so, so Peter and John walk up to this man, and the first thing they do is they say, hey, stare at me, right? And then they uh, redirect that gaze very quickly, right? They don't keep it on themselves. They say, um, hey, stop staring at us, start staring at him. And then the third one, right, we're going to get uncomfortable again, all right? I should have warned them ahead of time that we're going to go uncomfortable, comfortable, uncomfortable. Here we go. Um, they, at the, in almost the same breath that they're talking about Jesus, they say, hey, let's also look at our sin, so, so let's look backwards at our sin and our mistakes and our failures um, and, and, and be looking backwards for a very specific purpose. And so let me just kind of plant this, uh, this, this thought. We'll look at the sin that they list off, but, but why do you think Peter and John are encouraging them to look back and remember their sin? Are they just trying to be mean? Are they just trying to be Debbie Downers? Um, are they just trying to, to make these people wallow in self-pity or, or exalt themselves and say, hey, we're really great and you stink? I don't think any of those are the right answers. So just kind of hold on to that for a minute. Why are Peter and John encouraging them to look back at their sin? We'll, we'll come back to that in just a second. Uh, Peter points to four sins of the people uh, here in Acts chapter 3. The first one, they delivered Jesus up. It's kind of that way of saying, hey, they had Jesus. It's like they had Jesus right here. You know, they could hug him. They had him in their hands. They were in relationship with him, and then they let him go. Uh, they released him. Uh, they handed him over to somebody else and said, you deal with him. Um, they also denied Jesus. That's in verse 14. They denied Jesus. To deny him uh, means to essentially say, no, I don't know him. Never seen him. It's kind of a way of saying, um, uh, I'm not in his family. He's not in my family. We're not together. Deny him. Uh, they traded Jesus for something far less. That's also in verse 14. Uh, the language there is that they traded the author of life uh, for a common criminal. Right? That's the story of Barabbas. Uh, they, 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 they had a chance to say, hey, let Jesus go. And instead, they chose Barabbas, a, a hardened common criminal who had probably uh, led insurrections and caused a lot of pain and a lot of hurt in the world. They chose to release Barabbas. They traded Jesus for something far less, the holy and righteous one for a common criminal. They killed Jesus, verse 15. Now, it'd be easy for us to just sort of point our finger at them and say, oh, that's their sin. Shame on them for messing that up. But, but we just want to see what Peter and John are doing. They're in the same breast that they're talking about Jesus. They're pointing the hearts and minds of the people back and they're saying, hey, let's, let's be looking at our sin and our mistakes and our failures. And, and, and so we want to be a people that are doing that in an ongoing way in our own life. And some of these probably actually connect. We could probably say that we deny Jesus as we walk through life. Maybe that's just through our actions and through our words. Uh, maybe we, we don't make space for him in our heart and in our minds. Uh, we sort of separate ourselves from him. M maybe we're, we're, we're putting him in the one hour a week box, you know, Sunday morning, we leave him there, and then we walk through the rest of our life. We deny him. We, we, we trade Jesus for something far less. 
You know, I mean, how many times have we said, oh, Jesus is encouraging me to do this, or I don't have time for my daily devotions, or um, I, I'm not going to uh, engage this, th this kind of moment where I'm sensing the presence of God because, oh, I've got work to do, and I've got sports to go to, and, and I've got to deal with this thing, and I've got to do that. We trade Jesus for something far less. So, so we have to kind of come back to that question. Um, why do Peter and John point backwards and encourage the people to be staring at their sin? Um, let me just kind of read just a, a short verse here. Chapter 3, verse 19, Peter and John say this, Repent, therefore, and turn back. <laughs> Repent, therefore, and turn back. Uh, Peter and John are not trying to get them to wallow in self-pity. Um, they are not trying to say, hey, we're great and you stink. What they're trying to get the people to do is to repent. And repent kind of has a, a, a negative connotation. Uh, when I was growing up, it kind of has like a turn or burn kind of thing. And, and that is not what repentance is. Repentance is uh, turning back. It's changing the way that we think, right? So that we, so, so that we stop doing things that aren't good for us so that we stop doing things that are not God-pleasing, and we can instead choose a different path. Uh, we can instead choose a path that is God-pleasing and is going to be good for us. Now, repentance is a process of, of examining our life and saying, oh, this path is not good, and I'm going to be on a different path instead. It's a process of tracing your steps backwards and getting onto a different path. Now, um, here's um, a, warn a warning for you as you think about repentance. Um, this is not a solo flight activity. Uh, I, I think very often um, what we do is maybe in the quiet of our own lives and hearts, we consider our sin, we consider our mistakes and our failures. Um, and, and then we, we never include a community. We, we never share those mistakes and those sins with other people. And what ends up happening then is we kind of get down on ourselves and we wallow in self-pity and we say, yeah, I stink. And maybe that's part of the reason that we're afraid to say, hey, stare at me. Repentance is not a solo activity. It's meant to be done in community so that the person that you're sharing your sins, mistakes, and failures with does what? says, stare at Jesus. Go back to Jesus. Look at what Jesus has done. Now, just see the fruit that, uh, that Peter speaks of in this sermon. He says, repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, and that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. Repentance is not a solo flight activity. It's done in community so that the person you're sharing with can point you back to Jesus. And when that happens, you get to see that your sin is erased. It's blotted out. It's forgiven, removed. And, and when they do that, you get to experience Jesus in a whole new way. And all of a sudden, your soul is refreshed. I think that's what Peter and John are after. They're not trying to heap guilt on the crowd. They're not trying to say, hey, you guys stink and we're awesome. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to, to move the crowd to repentance so that they can turn from their sin and get on a path that is better for them, a path that Jesus is walking on. And when they walk that path with Jesus, they'll see, oh, their sins are forgiven. And, and their souls will be refreshed by the presence of Jesus in a very powerful way.
So today's an invitation to be culturally inappropriate. <laughs> I call, uh, an invitation to, uh, to, to stare at somebody else. And, and we want to invite people to stare at me. And, and then we want to deflect that and say, hey, let's stop staring at me and stare at him, stare at Jesus. And we want to take that time to, to stare into our past and, and be looking at our sins and our mistakes and our failures so that we can repent, so that we can uh, turn back, turn again, and get on the path that Jesus is on, and then celebrate our forgiveness and celebrate the presence of Jesus in a whole new way. So let's be a people that stare this week. Take a picture. It'll last longer. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's, uh, let's pray together. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for, uh, uh, for, for sending Jesus. And Jesus, we thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. Uh, your Holy Spirit landed on the disciples, and it has landed on us. And so we get to be your hands and feet in this world. Uh, we get to demonstrate your power, uh, your kingdom authority here on earth. And we get to point hearts and minds towards you. It's an awesome privilege. And so we thank you. Uh, we thank you for the, the power and the love and the grace that you demonstrated. And we thank you for the opportunity to be pointing hearts and minds towards you every single day. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.